they wanted to stay in South Beach and party. And I just wanted to be by the water. And, you know, they came with me. It was great. But in my heart and soul, I was like, this isn't why I came here. So I'm not going back to Toronto. And on the airport, I looked at them. I'm like, I'm not leaving this place. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not coming home. And I didn't. Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. Welcome to today's episode with our guest, Maciel Arias. Maciel is the founder of Maciel's Natural Skincare and Aesthetics, a wellness and beauty brand that offers a unique and holistic approach to skincare. By offering specialized services and all-natural products, Maciel addresses and reduces issues surrounding the synthetic and chemical use of skincare products that ultimately damage our skin and the environment. Maciel is passionate about helping people and making the world a more beautiful place. She is a trained skincare specialist with knowledge of the holistic healing art known as Ayurveda. Her intuition, acute sense of purpose, and the love and passion she carries for others are all elements that she infuses into her remedies and treatments. Maciel is more than a skincare brand. She is a symbol of perseverance and hope. And we are lucky enough to have this incredible woman here today. We are going to hear about her journey as a changemaker, leveraging her life experiences, moving through grief and into healing, as well as her intuition and soulful purpose. Quick trigger warning, Maciel and I will be talking about the death of her beloved father in this episode, as well as the personal darkness that she faced through that very difficult time. I wanted to give you the heads up. For those who join us on this journey today, you will have the privilege of hearing from somebody who goes through a dark night of the soul and comes out on the other side with loving radiance and clarity that is uplifting and will surely inspire us all to keep listening to the whispers of our souls so that we can find deeper intuitive alignment for expansive impact in our lives. Here we go. Maciel, thank you for being here today. Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from? Sure. I have my own line of natural skincare products that I formulated. I started doing that about 10 years ago. And I am a holistic skincare therapist. I'm currently in Miami. I was born in Texas and raised in Toronto. And I come from a very warm, loving family. And as you know, my father was and forever will be the love of my life. And he was just this like person that would pour into every single person that he met. And he was vibrant and always playing his guitar. And and I'd wake up and there'd be Pink Floyd blasting. Like I grew up with loud music in my house, the smell of food, laughter. He was so funny. And my mom, like they, they had a really nice balanced relationship. I don't know if you're, you know, into the signs, but he was a Libra. She was a Gemini. So there was this like beautiful harmony, fun. And then I have a very big family. My dad had seven brothers. So I have a lot of cousins and there was just always this, this feeling of love and service in my home. Like how can we love one another and how can we help others? So I grew up with that foundation. And as for myself, you know, I I love food. I love music. I love love. And, And when I meet people, I get really excited. Like I, I love 
connecting with people. Well, it explains a little bit too about how you've come into this business that's really grounded in a sort of devotional service and that what you create really is something to make people feel beautiful in their souls, not just in their skin, which obviously in terms of being like a natural skincare creator, there's a physical aspect to it. But to me, there's this luminosity and radiance that you give off and that is a part of what you create in the world. And so I feel like hearing a little bit about your family, it makes sense that you weave that love of connection and that love of service and just really wanting to expand in that good feeling with whomever connects with you and your products. Can you talk a little bit about how you came into your own intuition? It's interesting because there's definitely going to be layers to it. Of course, my upbringing that has a huge effect on it, but it's also my own curiosity that I, at a very young age, I knew I was tapped into something different that didn't really make sense. And for those who haven't really tapped in, I think one of the biggest and earliest clues for me was my curiosity and the things that I was naturally drawn to as a child. Like I had a thing with bottles. Like I used to love like empty bottles, like in vintage stores, I would just be super like, I don't know why this like really old bottle, I want to take it home with me. My dad used to love garage sales. Like he'd be like, look, look, like, you know, coming from Nicaragua, he's like, look at this stuff. (laughs) And I'd be like, bottles. (laughs) And, you know, later in life, it connected. So I feel like one thing is is your curiosity. There's clues in the things that excite your spirit, right? So I feel like that was one way that like, that's something opened a door and I was like, oh, like, like, this is mystical. There was like this feeling of like, oh, what is this? And something curious about the past and where it came from and the story that it's like a bottle would hold right I'm using the bottle because it was like a big thing for me when I was younger yeah yeah and you felt the excitement and you didn't need to explain why so I love that you're talking about this because I've been thinking a lot about those things those are the breadcrumbs that lead us to our our soul's calling and that's what it was is it's literally like the breadcrumbs like I look back because you know, as I get older and I keep diving and peeling away the layers of like society and everything, all the noise and things that aren't really like serving my alignment, I keep Mm -hmm. back to my childhood, right? Because that's where like the blueprint was made. So I'm like, okay, who was I before without my parents? Like, it's so hard to think who are you without your parents when you're a child? Of course. What excited little Masculita, right? Like, and it was like the bottle, it was nature. It was the curiosity of the planets. And then my father, who I mentioned, I'll probably mention a lot because he meant so much to me. He was very spiritual and he was very quote unquote woke. (laughs) (laughs) He was woke before woke. And, you know, I don't know if it was all the psychedelics he did in the seventies or whatnot, but he had me at a very young age connecting and talking to nature. And Mm. he tried to explain to me that like God is real and God is in like everything that lives. And he was like, we're connected we're one he's like we are one race he goes and this is our home and everything speaks so my dad definitely had a big role and he added to my magic like he you know even growing up there wasn't much pressure from him he was always like just whatever makes you happy do that you know so yeah so he definitely had me connecting with nature at a very very young age and and planted that seed of god and the grandness of god in my mind and i know there are some people who would say that their parents were talking about certain things and innately they knew that they didn't agree. But for you, 
what do you think made you receive it from him? You know what? He was a glorious being in my eyes. He had this aura about him that was so bright and his love was so big. Like anybody who would knows my dad knew this about him. So as a child, imagine having this person like guide you throughout your early years. So when he would say something, I would listen because I was like, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I definitely relate to you in terms of feeling that kind of love and admiration for my parents too. I also want to mention, I always get lit up hearing you talk about your dad because I feel like he was just such a radiant force in your life. He comes through to you. (laughs) I know he does. (laughs) Well, and it's funny too, because I don't advertise mediumship as a formal service. I just offer intuitive readings and I offer my intuition development mentorship. But I've been around a lot of people who are cultivating mediumship specifically as a gift. And the more that I talk with them, the more I realize mediumship is a part of my gifts and that your dad is probably one of the most longstanding figures in my adulthood outside of my own relations who just pops in because he wants to give you some kind of outside validity. Like you talk to him every day all the time, right? But sometimes he just comes through and I sometimes joke that I should call myself the reluctant medium because I don't want to give readings where I'm telling people how somebody passed. I only want one or two juicy nuggets that validate for my sitter that it really is you And that connects them to joy and that allows them to receive your message for them that uplifts them. That's it. So I feel like your dad is always coming through with the uplifting messages for you. Thank you. When you were a teenager and a young adult, did you still have that sense of spiritual connection? Or was there anything that happened in your young adulthood that set you on the path to create what you're creating or to tap into your intuition in a different way? Early teens... I grew more and more fascinated with transformational arts and helping people feel beautiful about themselves. And I chose beauty. I found that, you know, I was very friendly in school and people would naturally befriend me. And and my first thing was like, can I do your eyebrows? (laughs) (laughs) It's so so silly. I was like 12, 13. And even in grade five, I have it at home. It's like a five-year plan. They ask you, what do you think you're going to do? This was when you were in grade five. Five and you I created had a, a life plan. It was like it was like an assignment, and she was like, "What do you see yourself doing?" And it was crazy, but I I did what I ended up writing when I was in grade five. Oh my gosh, what did you write? I said I was going to be a beautician. <laughs> I was like, "I'm going to be a beautician. I'm going to travel the world, and I'm going to have my own business, and I'm going to help people." And yeah, I remember I used to go to this mall, and funny enough, they you know trade secrets. You remember? Yes, like, yes. Go in there, and I would. I became friends with them. I was so young; I was like eleven years old. And it's like one day I'm gonna own a place like this. And and she was just like, "Girl, like whenever you're ready, you come work me." And funny, I did work there later on. All the little things that come together later in life, you look back and you're like, "Wow, that's crazy." But I think during like 12, 13, 14, it was like the feminine rising. The hormones are changing everything, so there was more of a focus on superficial beauty right and I would just look at the girls in my life and and I wanted everyone to feel beautiful (laughs) Mm. and then high school was interesting because I was focusing on other things however I don't know if it's the sun sign Capricorn in me I was still always thinking about what's the next step like I can't wait for high school to be over what am I going to do with my life I wanted to get out of high school like I was so over it and I did a co-op program at a hair salon and that's how I met Catherine whom we met through 
Yes. So I was just like, I just need to get this over with. And every time I'd have those, I don't even know what they are called, like a counselor where she helps you decide what you're going to do. Yeah. Like a guidance counselor. And it was like, I had to choose between, I either wanted to do like therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy or like beauty. (laughs) was like, yes, like what I've already liked to do. So why not do it? I did a co-op and I was thinking, I'm thinking I'm going to go into hair and makeup. And then I met Catherine Pasek, owner of Poa Studio, Divine Timing. She's an esthetician, but she also specializes in French clothing. Like she imports and she has a beautiful boutique. Everything is so beautifully curated and it's a personal shopping experience. So meeting her was life changing for me because she became my mentor and it was a co-op placement, but she was like trying to find a way that she can fit me in because she definitely needed an assistant. And I became a personal assistant later on. But it all happened when she's like, are you comfortable doing hand massages? And I was like, of course, <laughs> like sign me up. And one day I gave her a massage and she was like, whoa, like you have a very magic touch. Like you need to do this for a living. And I was like, what? She's like, you need to do aesthetics. Like you need to touch people. And I was like, funny you say that. Cause I love touching people. <laughs> <laughs> And one thing led to another, like as soon as high school was done, she's like, so what about that program? Like she pushed me into the aesthetics program. It was like a total encouragement. And I was like, I don't really know. Cause there was no funding for it. It was not really in my budget. I was like, I'm not like everyone that I know gets some type of like school loan funding and not this school. It was a private school. Right. Right. And actually she helped me. She's like, I'm going to lend you money to pay for your first semester. Wow. And she was just like, no, like you need to do this. So it was like a full aesthetics program. So you learn body, face and nails and waxing. And honestly, I just knew I didn't want anything to do with pedicures and manicures. I was like, this isn't for me. But the minute I would touch the client's faces in the facial massage, I was like, I love this. Like, you know, I wouldn't really follow the guidelines and the teacher would always be like, what are you doing? I was like, this is my own massage. Like, I didn't realize what I was doing. It was like my own style of energy work. As someone who has had one of your facials, literally sitting on Maciel's table, I could feel that she was receiving healing downloads for me. And I don't say that for many people. And I also don't work with many practitioners, but I will say it was a real privilege to be on your table that day. And I remember thinking she's going to be able to really help me because I had a lot of pain in my body at that time. It's my honor. <laughs> Thank you. In the program, I took an Ayurvedic head massage course, Ayurvedic facial, and I took nutrition and the skin and an aromatherapy program. So those four things are what then led to the next chapter of my life because I discovered Ayurveda and it changed my life. Can you talk about what Ayurveda is for anyone listening who doesn't know? Ayurveda originates from East India. It's an East Indian philosophy and way of life. And they, there's like their philosophy and the principles and what they believe in is it just felt like the truth for me because everything is elemental to pay attention to the elements on earth and how everything is in everyone and even from the way you think to the way you're made it's domination of certain elements and the elements exist in the food and everything you either have like more air fire water earth and it just to me I was like wow they should be teaching this in school like everyone should learn about this because it makes so much sense so even though it was like Ayurveda for beauty, I went and I started exploring the Ayurvedic world and I bought all of these books and I was like, I want to be an Ayurvedic doctor. 
was like super into it. And then I discovered aromatherapy and I was like, what? Aromatherapy, Ayurveda. And I felt like I had the tools to take over the world now. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was beautiful. I just find that there are these amazing tools that will just help you navigate life and healing. So I would look at people and I'd look at their skin. And I was like, this person's like has a lot of fire in their skin and it's probably in their digestion. So this gave birth to the curiosity of making natural products. Mm. because it's internal and if like you know algae is going to help calm the redness how can I make a mask for them with using some algae and some of this and some of that so that's that's where it started and then I did Ayurveda aromatherapy and my aromatherapy teacher he taught Reiki on the side he was a Reiki master and I did Reiki level one with him so this portal opened and I was like, wow, I think I found it. I think I found my purpose in life. And then the nutrition for the skin teacher, I was blown away. She was like talking about oranges and acne and how like not all fruits are. And I was like, what? I was like, wait, so she was saying oranges are not good if you have acne? Talking about some like higher glycemic fruits and how there's just a world that we don't understand and the natural eating world and like it's all healing but that we should be careful. Like if she listed all these things and I'm, I'll never forget the oranges and the acne. Like, people have no idea what they're putting in their bodies. And I was just like, oh my God, wow. this is a deal. So right after aesthetics, I started to work. Like, I, I worked at a dermatologist's office. I was doing reception. And I was like, ah, oh, this isn't really my vibe. I didn't want to work at a spa. I had a lot of spa opportunities, but I saw like the robotic system of the spa world. It's like you have one hour, finish your client you're on to the next like no break and there's no TLC for the clients like how am I gonna like really like have that healing experience and then just kick them out and move and upsell them on like the most expensive package like there was no soul if I'm gonna touch anyone I'd rather do it like in a place that they're gonna feel all my love and it's not gonna be rushed and I don't care to sell them on any packages I just want them to glow and feel amazing after <laughs> so I ended up working for Kiehl's I know it's totally different but still in the skincare world I learned so much about skincare and ingredients working for Kiehl's and I was super inspired because it was a family owned business for three generations. So okay. that was huge for me because they're doing something right. So I really studied. And it speaks to your values too and what your parents have given you. Exactly. So I was like, ding, 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 ding. And I was like, so happy to work there. And around that time, I... I started to have an anxiety problem. Like that's where I developed anxiety issues. Let's say like, if you're looking at the chakra system, I think it was like an overly active crown chakra and imbalanced rest of the body. Right. Like, I developed a severe anxiety problem. Was and, there other stuff going on in your life at that time? Yes. I, I was subletting my friend's place. I was working two jobs. I was working at Heels and I was working at like in a club, like, like security at the front door. I know such a random odd job. But I didn't realize how sensitive I was to energy at that time in my life. I was not grounded. And then around the time I knew my dad wasn't doing well. So I had this like lifelong attachment to him. And I knew as a child, this is a little different, but I knew he was going to die young. And wow. anxiety with him and something in my mind was like, something's going to happen to you. And I don't know what it is. So it turns out that, you know, he did have hepatitis C from a blood transfusion in the 1970s. That was very common. The hepatitis C turns into cirrhosis and cirrhosis eventually can become tumors. It's, the liver stops regenerating 
And I just intuitively knew that my father wasn't doing well and I wasn't living at home and I had the guilt of living away from him. And I could just feel that his energy was off. It was shifting. But he hadn't told you this information. We knew he had hepatitis C, but he had been doing trials. You know how now they have a drug that gets rid of it, but they right. were the pre-trials and they made him worse. And then his brother passed. This anxiety became crippling to me because I, I had a really scary panic attack and I've never experienced a panic attack. And for those who struggle with anxiety and have panic, the minute you get into that triggered state of I'm going to have a panic attack, it's so scary. And I, I couldn't function. I try to go to work and I was in the subway and I would get triggered and I would just start hyperventilating. And I felt bad. My dad would have to come pick me up from work because I would be in the washroom just crying. Like it was so left field, crippling anxiety and panic disorder. And then I moved back home and he was like, I need you to just relax and not worry about a thing. He's like, you need to calm down and you need to find your balance. And anxiety and panic comes with depression. It's a spiral. And I found myself just feeling very helpless. I was like, I don't know how to escape this cycle. And I started to search natural ways to heal anxiety. And I got into this world of like all these natural things that you can do. And I discovered like magnesium and the book, The Power of Now. And I started mm. that book and it changed my life. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, the power of your thoughts. Wow. Like this is where anxiety yeah. comes from, right? It's, it's the fear anticipating something that hasn't happened. So I started reading that book and I challenged myself and I said, if I can go 21 days without taking Ativan and just like keep facing my panic when it comes or having an onset, I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to go see my grandma who lives in Miami. So I gave myself a goal, like a reward, right? Yes. And I went, but because I had all these girlfriends, they were like, you're going to Miami. Don't go alone. Like, let's go with you. And what was supposed to be like a very grounding trip to Miami turned out to be a like girls trip. And that's not what I needed. And they wanted to go out. They wanted to stay in South beach and party. And I just wanted to be by the water and, you know, they came with me. It was great. But in my heart and soul, I was like, this isn't why I came here. So I'm not going back to Toronto. And on the airport, I looked at them. I'm like, I'm not leaving this place. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not coming home. And I didn't. I could do that because I'm an American citizen, but I really just had no plan. And I was like, whatever it is, I'm not going home. <laughs> I thought of the gray sky and the gray buildings and stagnant energy that I associated with Toronto at the time. Of course. And you'd been going through such a difficult time. So I was like, I'm going. And I just stayed back and I told my grandma, I'm just going to need to live with you for like a month. And I'm going to find a job and I'm going to move out. Was she receptive? She totally was. It was like that distant family that I just knew that if I ever needed to go to Miami, they would receive me with love. So I, I went to Kiehl's and by luck, I looked online and they were hiring. And I managed to switch positions. Like I went from Kiehl's Toronto to Kiehl's in South Beach. <laughs> wow. You taken a big risk because there was no guarantee that you would get your job in Toronto back if you didn't return or that you would get a job in Miami. No, I didn't know what. I just, I, I miss that young Maciel. I mean, now I'm trying to tap into her more, but it's like she just went, she didn't care. She knew. So I just feel like leaning into that faith of not knowing, but somehow something always happens where you're okay. 
so I had my dad and I remember telling him dad like I'm not I don't want to come home and he was so sweet and he was like I know it killed him he wanted me like right next to his hip but mm-hmm. he, you're a bird and you're free to fly he goes I want you to fly and spread your wings and fly he goes there's so much to see out there and there's so much to do and he goes Toronto and here will always be your nest you can always fly home to your nest and that's all I needed to hear I didn't even ask my mom it was my dad and he said that and I was like wow he gave me those wings he gave me just that little push okay go do it wow and I was like I can always go back to Toronto it's okay and you know what it was what I needed so a month into working at Kiehl's I made friends of course with the people shopping at Kiehl's and that's where I met my first roommate and we just immediately connected and she's like yeah I'm looking for a roommate I live down the street and I was like okay it's me (laughs) and then I started living in South Beach and then shortly after what is it like six months I was like how can I do aesthetics here because that was essentially my career Turns out I couldn't cross the certificates. I'd have to go back to school. I checked out of school. And instead of going back to do aesthetics, I studied massage therapy. So I was living by myself in South Beach. She moved out and I was, I don't know how, this is like the crazy thing. Like, I don't know how I made this work because I worked part-time. I was in school and I was paying rent and I made it happen. Like, did I have extra? Probably not. But I was literally living paycheck to paycheck, but I was the happiest I've ever been in my life I just was like time to go to school time to go to work and the bike home I would bike ride everywhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is this is like I'm living the dream I was so happy and that's where I needed to be doing all of that and then I got the sad news that my dad needed a liver transplant that he wasn't doing well his liver became stagnant and it was not regenerating and that's when I was like, oh my God, my world just fell apart. And I I picked up and I just left. And I'm like, I'm going to be your donor. And he's like, it's a protocol. He goes, your sister's already on the waiting list to be a donor. They're doing all the tests, series of tests that they have to do. And I was like, no, I'm going to be your donor because you're the love of my life and we're one and my liver is your liver. And he was like, okay, we'll see. And I landed and my sister, she couldn't do the surgery because Her platelet count was too high, which puts her at risk for blood clots. It's just really, really risky. So then I did the test and he was getting worse like day by day. So the pressure was just this anxiety of, oh my God, like, because if the cancer spreads, they can't do the transplant. Right. Boom. Like two weeks after doing all the tests, like they gave us a surgery day and I was the candidate and we did the surgery and it was an interesting time because I was really happy with my life in Miami, but my dad meant everything to me. So moving back to do the surgery, you know, they do this test. They do a lot of tests before they do this operation because it's such a big operation. And it was a mental health test. And I was terrified because it had been on my report that I had anxiety. Right. They're like, oh, like, how do you feel now? And I just lied. I was like, I'm fucking great. (laughs) I was like... Nothing oh, no. oh no is right because it bit me in the butt later on I was like I'm just fine I meditate I read I did like I was saying everything I needed to say so they let me through and after the surgery was when I got hit with this like very strange depression because you're cut open and you feel like you're missing 
a very important part of yourself which is obviously your liver but it's not like yes was removed it's just a part but I never experienced that kind of pain it was like a very emotionally strange feeling and I couldn't describe it and I couldn't talk about it because the focus was on my dad and and and, you know recovering from something that almost killed him and I was very lonely and I was sad and I didn't feel comfortable talking about this like post-surgery depression because I Mm -hmm. should be ecstatic that my dad was alive but really and truly I was like I don't feel well I don't know how to describe what I'm feeling to just do that let alone the emotional aspect of giving your father your liver like that is a major ordeal to go through but then to feel like you can't even share what's coming up because that would be taking away from the more urgent recovery of this person who you are describing as the love of your life I can't imagine how complicated that would have felt was and the minute he got better I left I came back to Florida and that was me trying to save myself and Mm -hmm. I put myself first as hard as it was for him he's like you're leaving I'm like yeah I'm just gonna go back I'm not happy here and he was like okay obviously had I known that he wasn't gonna live a lot longer I would have never left but I didn't like we all thought he was gonna like be around for like longer because he was healthy I moved back to Florida I want to say four months after the surgery okay nine months after that he got re-diagnosed with cancer so I was in Florida and I was like just barely keeping it together because I I knew I wasn't the same but I was really fighting for that like 21 happy messy on a bike I was like Mm -hmm. I get to that happy place and I just couldn't but I started to dive more into creativity and that's when I ordered my first batch of oils and candle wax and I was living with my cousin and I was like I need a hobby before the surgery like I had already started making candles in Miami and I was going to events and trying to sell them but it was like buying like little things at Michael's then after right. the surgery, I went online I did all the research and it was like organic ethically sourced essential oils I was really going big in my mind which for anyone starting something I don't recommend that I say start just to experiment lower quality spend so much money on these organic essential oils I don't regret it because I got to play with the best of the best but somebody could have easily learned this without having to spend so much money but it's okay it was a trial and error right heard my first batch of candle wax, essential oils, bottles. And I really wanted to get everything like recyclable, ethically sourced. Like that was something so important for me. It still is, but it's just harder now that I actually have a brand. It's unmanageable for just one person to do it all that way. If I had, you know, a team or investors, it'd be different, but not there yet. So I started with my candles and I started with my, I call them potion making. And I was working at a plastic surgeon's office and, you know, the staff was totally supporting. They're like, oh, make us a new candle. And like, they were giving into my creativity. And they're like, maybe we can sell them here. It was so sweet. And then I got the call from my mom. And unlike my father, she wasn't so graceful with her delivery. And she was like, your dad has three months to live, come home. And I was wow. like, excuse me. And like, I remember I fainted. I was at work and it was just the worst news that I could have possibly received. My body just shut down and I saw black sparks and I fainted. And I left the next day. I just told the surgeon, I was crying. I'm like, I have to go home. 
and it's so interesting because that he goes to me but you already donated your liver he's like why are you like and in my head I'm like what do you mean my dad's dying I gotta go home <laughs> yeah and he didn't want me to leave obviously but I went home and at this point I lost hope you know I was like what's gonna happen now what else can I do so mm -hmm. I just leaned into whatever faith I had, right? I just was like, how am I going to support my dad? He believes in God. He loves God. And it's like, what now? Right? So I came home and I was just doing my best to keep the spirits high. You Even know? though you're like devastated. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> I was struggling too. <laughs> so I was going to say, because from what you were saying, that period in Miami between the liver surgery and receiving that diagnosis from what I understood from what you were saying from that in-between period it's not like you ever got back to Maciel living her best life riding a bike around Miami it was like okay just like another boom and that's honestly I can tell you from as I'm 34 I was 23 at the time that's 10 years ago that is when I became numb and that was my defense. And that's when like, you know, a lot of things just had to shut off in order for me to survive. Like I had to freeze some feelings just to get through. I remember I was just like, just keep going. We're just going to have to keep going because this is the scariest thing. This is the moment I dreaded my entire life since I became aware of death. Mm hmm losing my father so I was like okay the cancer was very aggressive this time there was no mercy on him they said three months and he had three months mm. and he, he didn't want to do chemo he tried everything naturally he was seeing this naturopath and like they tried everything and at the end of it like he just passed away at home that's what he wanted and I just was completely checked out like mentally I was like yeah I don't know what or how I'm even gonna do this it was not well and the doctors were very concerned about me I remember they would check in with my dad and then they would check in the palliative care my mom was like the doctors are really concerned about you I don't know what I must have looked like but I think they put two and two together because they're like she's the donor or who knows right but mm -hmm. I wasn't well and I didn't realize how unwell I was at the time because I was just going through the motions. I was the darkest I've ever been in my heart and soul. Like I just didn't want to live. I would wake up in the morning with complete dread of existing on right. earth without my dad. I was like, what am I doing here? And because I had that history with anxiety, it's like the Ativan came back. Like even when he was passing, I remember I was holding his hand. I took an Ativan. I was like, I can't. I was like, this is too much. I need help. And, you know, afterwards, I was checking in, like, are you okay? Because, you know, the family, there was so much support around us, but then there was family drama. There's always the blame that happens when somebody dies. Like, nobody knows how to really, like, accept it with, like, grace. It's just horrible. And then I just became, like, super depressed. And I, whatever faith I had before, like, mm -hmm. I felt like it was non-existent. And that's why I felt like, I'm, I'm gonna die I couldn't breathe like I would wake up and I was like <gasps> like where's my breath and right. growing up in like what was like somewhat a Christian household I would always have like like random like bible verses like there's like little things here little things there and there was one thing that was in my room and it was a little verse I think from the bible it says like if you have faith as small as a mustard seed 
and you tell this mountain to move, it will move for you. And I just remember thinking like, God, if you're real, which I knew God was real, but in that moment I was like, are you? Yeah. I Googled how small a mustard seed was because I didn't know. And I was like, damn, that's really small. Because <laughs> I had no faith. Yes. No faith. And I was like, okay, like I'm so broken and like I need help. And I just like reached into the source with my mustard seed faith. And looking back, that was all I needed because that's when the divine started to sense. The divine's always around in my opinion, but that's when the help started to come. Like the angelic, supernatural, like something not of this world came to hold me every day, just a little more grace every day to just get through every day. And so you felt expanded in that moment where you realized how teeny tiny a mustard seed was. It was enough of a shred of hope that you could allow for that possibility of something sacred to bring you your life force again. Exactly. That's all it was. And now I believe in God, like for real, for real. And I was just like, like, do you, is religion a big part of your life now? Or is it more of a spiritual relationship with God? And I say that because I think that the audience listening to this podcast probably have very diverse perspectives and yet everybody's curious about their intuition. And I do believe that intuition and believing in something, whether that's a higher power, whether that's your own inner divine, whether that's believing in, I sometimes call it the energy of all that is, i.e. there's this force that's interconnected and I don't know what the great mystery is. For me, it's the great mystery, but just give us a little bit of an idea of what your orientation became through that experience. Absolutely. For me, God is is so grand and as humans, we try to like analyze and make sense of everything. So as far as religion and, and things go, course like I I I resonate a lot with the like the the teachings of Christ and I follow them as a human wanting an example like it's it's been nothing but love and it's medicinal for my soul to follow these examples all the other stuff the religion and, and the, the control the brainwashing the gross things that happen with like you know like churches and the mind control it's all about control the business of religion I detest that it's like if you were to believe in this, you can't believe in that. And that's man, right? It's just yeah. like vision. I don't want any of that division. And God never fails to, you know, show me or surprise me in its expansiveness, right? Because yeah. God is so big that we can't, you know, put it in one little container. You know, if something works for someone, let that work for them, you know? But I know that in my experience, like really and truly the real energy of love, that is what God is. God is love. And so I think, you know, that love that was planted, that super small mustard seed, it grew and it grew. And I connected with people, healers, therapists that would just like gradually help me get out of that place, you know, the darkness, you know, and, and, you know, I build my brand. My dad used to love when I made candles and, and it would make him excited. Like, he's like, you give me butterflies when I see you making candles. And I was like, that's so sweet. So I started making candles again. I was like here you go, dad, I'm going to make some candles. And then I went back into the formulas that I had before. And with the help of friends are like, just 
start selling this like just start I'm like I didn't have the labels I didn't have like the the capital to really make a fancy brand this so, was when I met you this was when we met yeah and because I, I remember like, that everything you made was absolutely beautiful but I know what you're saying thank you it wasn't made by Maciel the brand it was yeah. made by Maciel the potion that predated the brand it was like vista print paper label oil dripping breaking the label like I designed it myself I made my own website on Wix I just needed to do what I could do and with what I had and so much love and support from people in my life and it wasn't because they just like liked me and wanted to support me they were like hey this is a really good product can I have some more? And I was like, oh, shoot, like I made something that really works. You know, like I did have other products, but it was the evening primrose and lemon that was like, you came back for it. So many people were like, it smells so good. And my skin feels so nice. So I was like, wow, I really made that oil for inflammation and acne prone skin. But it ended up being good for my aunt's scalp dermatitis, people with dry skin, people with blemishes, people with oily skin. I was like, whoa, I didn't mean to make it that good. You know, <laughs> so that's kind of how the Maciel brand was born is because that time it was always hard like it was like I would up 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 and then I'd go down 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 I'd go up 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 emotionally and then go down 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 and I have a friend of mine Dina Petsis at the time she had a, a forbidden fruit was her juice line and she had a little store on Pape and Salmon in, in Toronto and she was like just sell your products here we'll just put them on the shelf here and I was like but they're so ugly and, and she's like Maciel there's grants all around town like apply for grants she's like what are you doing like there's money there's money around you just have to look for it she encouraged me <laughs> me to just like get some money for rebranding and I thought okay you know what evening primrose and lemon is not really working like because really what this oil does is for everyone helps to balance which is equilibrium mm. so it started and I was like I need a new logo and then my best friend who's a tattoo artist He's known as the Ink Pusha. <laughs> One, he was he created my logo for me, which is still what I have today. All these friends, this beautiful community is like all pieces of the brand, and and that's what it means so much to me. So. One thing led to another. And, you know, I, I think I did a facial on you once and it was in Cabbage Town. Yes, I remember that. So like it was in not a lot of foot traffic, such a beautiful space, but it was just very quiet. So I knew I needed to find a place with more exposure. And I started working at the nail salon and I wasn't really. The one thing that you stayed away from your entire career in aesthetics. Yeah. Which is ironic. And I love it because it taught me so much about taking chances and, and not always doing things the way you think you should. And mm. that is where I met one of my business partners. Now we have a storefront in Toronto. I met her days after starting there. She was like, I heard you do massages. And I was like, I do. And I gave her a massage and we became best friends. And she sent me all of her clients. Three years later, the back of the, of the salon became open. There was a bachelor suite and I turned it into a little shop. And then I moved. I was like, this is perfect. But it was like right as COVID hit. Okay. A chance and and I you know painted it and I made it as beautiful as I could and I turned it into my little shop. Now the interesting thing is that all this is happening. I got burnt out. Like right, COVID came and my assistant I had an assistant at the time. She couldn't come over to help me with anything, so it was just like all the orders were coming in. It was like a very beautiful time because I don't know where are these online sales just out of nowhere. Everyone was at home like panic shopping, and. It was amazing, but oh my God, I couldn't get access to like the essential oils. Like they weren't shipping to anything less than $5,000. They were only selling 
to hand sanitizer companies in gallons. I was like, no labels and everything was shut down. And I just started to create a line with what I had and I called it my quarantine collection. And I made labels with label makers and people bought it. I still can't believe that. Excuse me, chills just hearing it. Oh my gosh. I remember I was just like, okay, let's, what do we have? And I always have like experimental inventory and I created a whole funny collection just for shits and giggles and people were buying it. Like items were selling out. I remember going online during quarantine and trying to buy some things from you. I was just postpartum at the time and everything was sold out. It was beautiful, honestly. Like my best friend, she's like, I still can't believe you sold this stuff with the label. What a time, what a time to be alive. So that was beautiful. I'm thankful for all of the support and continuous support. It's beautiful. But again, the burnout happened. I think it was like one year into COVID. And I was like, I need out. I can't do this. I can't be here. I am, I was losing it. Like I just surrendered. And I was like, I'm an American citizen. I can go to the States and I can go and fly from here. To I was like finding ways to get out of the country. Greece opened its airports and I went to Greece. And then from Greece, I flew to Italy. And then like, nobody's traveling during a pandemic except for me. And I was just like, I'm living my life. I need to live my life. I will say as a new mom at that time during lockdown, feeling very isolated, many things on social media were very triggering. And I think it's very natural for people to feel a bit of longing for the life that they used to have, even in the deliciousness of being a new parent. And you were the one account where I could open up anything you were doing and I just got filled with love and joy. I felt like I could live vicariously. Your look changed. You were traveling. You were so joyful. You were in the water. Like you were sharing so much of that. And personally to me, it felt like such a gift because during that time, it wasn't you showing off. It wasn't you trying to, like we see in social media, so many people trying to almost create that thing in their audience where they want people to like wish they were them. I think you were so authentically seeking and finding joy and allowing yourself to just be and to expand. That feeling certainly emanated to me whenever I would look at where you were and what you were doing. But I'm curious if that was how you felt or if you had that intentionality when you did it. Totally. I was just like, guys, I'm here. And a lot of people were like, oh, aren't you scared? And I think it was like me saving myself. And I think for anyone who had that question or was afraid, I wanted to give them that inspiration. And I I always have to take that leap. I have to. I can't wait on anyone because I've already been through so much shit. Like, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> so Yeah, you're alive, right? So now you're an example of living. Yeah. And it continues to be the theme because after I came back and they just kept locking us down, I was like, I've had enough. I'm just going to take off. And I'm in here in Florida now and like growing my business here slash back home. This is where I wanted to pick up that girl that I left, that 21 year old girl. So this is where I'm at in my, in my healing and my spiritual journey is, and the unfrosting, you know, I said like the minute, like he got diagnosed again with cancer, I had to freeze. So the unfrosting phase is a very painful one. It's a very emotional one. It's very raw. And I'm just managing to go through it. I had an epiphany and I was like, no, I'm cleaning house. Like these are years of holding it in, of just autopilot survival mode. 
this isn't going to go away in one year. Cause the minute I moved to Florida, I started crying. It was like, I was defrosting. It was just mm-hmm. like layers and layers and layers and still having to run a business. Right. So it's like, yeah. okay, how do I keep the magic alive in my business while I'm grieving so much? It works together because it's products that are made with love services that are made with love intention and healing. And here we are. I love it. One thing I want to say on a personal note, as I witness you sharing the story of your journey, especially with your dad and losing him and having your own crisis, if you will, from which you've rebuilt and rediscovered yourself, the way it looks for me energetically, and I felt this from the moment you said that you got that call that he was not doing well and would need the transplant, is because of the bond that you have and the stability that you had with your family and your parents growing up, when you were describing your childhood, it felt so grounded in the root chakra. And then I feel like, is it okay for me to share this with you? I just saw it happen that it's almost like your root chakra cracked. It's like each step you took looks like a step of trying to rebalance the root chakra. Maybe if I give him my liver, he'll live and we can reintegrate it again. Oh, no, he he's not well. Now, well, maybe if I come and live at home with him, or maybe if I, you know, each of these steps that you took, I can see how deeply you're trying to preserve what's left from that foundation, that safety, that security. And yet it's like a rug that's been pulled out from underneath you. And when I look at everything that you've created in your business and what you give to others, it's all coming energetically from your sacral. So you're like a very majorly powerful sacral creator because you're tapped into beauty. You're tapped into the emotions of how to make people feel good. You're creating it intuitively. You're tapping into the environment. And so then it doesn't surprise me as you describe the story that you'd have these moments where this like sacral creation shoots up through your crown or shoots into your third eye or you're able to blow it out through your heart and give to others And yet to me, when you talk about these years since you got that shop in Toronto and then left for Greece and then moved back to Miami, to me, it's like you've been able to, within your own energy field, start to gently, gently, it's almost like you said, guys, the root chakra was not a stone. It might have been a stone or a foundation to begin with. But if that's broken, let it rest. And almost like you buried it in the ground. And I'm curious if you actually have buried something in the earth. And now you're just weaving from your sacral down. Because it feels different. It feels gentler. It feels more feminine. You're not pushing it. You're not numbing it, right? You're not trying to work it the way you would from like a very harsh energy. I feel that gentleness. So I just want to say that in witnessing you that I can see the way that you've actually been on an energetic journey that's now healing and integrating into your root. And I think whatever you create next is going to be freaking clear as day. (laughs) I do feel like your energy is coming into this much more clear, strong foundation that you're building from. Thank you. I feel it. I really do. And it's like, I I always say it's so hard because it is because I'm so sensitive like wow like the crying that comes with it I'm like "Ah, like what's happening (laughs) yeah yeah I'm coming into and also like 
that more receiving and to be softer and to be more tapped into my feminine, not having to be the provider, like survive. It's more like, hey, just we got to do the inner stuff. And, you know, you, you said taken like the rug was that's how I used to describe my dad passing. Like the rug was pulled out from underneath you. That's how I described his passing and my journey after to anyone close in my life. I'm like, yep, the rug was just, he was the foundation, right? So So now you can reweave it and it doesn't need to be the way it was before. You can love 21-year-old Maciel riding her bike around Miami and know that the person you are today is a completely different woman and that she can love that young woman and create a life from this new place of stability. Yeah. I have a question for you. Do you have any advice to someone who's starting out creating something? Oh my gosh. Yes. You really have to keep going. Like, and it's about consistency and just not give up. Like, even if nobody's buying, you have to really have your why. Like, why am I doing this? A strong why so that it can keep you because you need that resiliency because you're going to want to give up many times, many times. Even now, I've been doing this for 10 years. I have moments where I'm like, it's a lot. But then I just think of the community that I've built, the people, and, and it doesn't have to be hundreds of people. It can be just one person mm-hmm. that, like, number one fan. Just do it for them. Because that energy of love, it, it's contagious. So just, like, bringing back your why, and it's a currency, right? So the minute you get out of the fear and the doubt, and you're like, okay, this is my why, it it opens doors for more. So it's a currency that we all need when we're experimenting, when we're trying something new, you're watering a seed and that seed needs consistency. And that love is that consistency. It's going to help it grow belief. Thinking of that one person that's your supporter or or your number one fan or whatever, just do it for them because that vibration is expansive. And that's what helped me every time I wanted to give up. I just go back to, okay, my dad would be happy. And my dad's not even on this realm anymore. And I can feel him just like cheering me on. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. If there's somebody listening who maybe is feeling like they're at their limit, that they're in a difficult time and they don't see a way out. Is there anything that you would say to them to give them hope from the place that you're in now, knowing what it's like to suffer in all the ways that you have? Yeah, it it doesn't last it doesn't last and, and it's needed, you know, roots need to be planted in the darkness, this very dark and heavy time. It's where everything grows from. So it's very necessary. And you are, like they said, you're being, you're not buried, you're being planted mm. that over and over has, has resonated with me. Cause every time I look back, I think, Oh my God, I needed that time. Like that's where you grow. Right. So it's necessary, but you know, lean on family, friends, support. Don't isolate yourself too much. I would just say try to connect or even if it's just like a group or workshop or community is very important for this time because it can be a slippery slope and you can get stuck, right? So I feel like always having something you reach out to or some type of community that is is around you as as much as you can. Like I know it's really hard to force yourself out when you're in in that place. It's like you don't Mm want to talk. But I think just remembering, hey, I need to go for a walk. I need to push myself for this walk. And and the little walk is going to do so much. And be in that either community or outdoor place where you can keep moving. Movement and community is going to help you progress and keep going. I think that's very powerful advice. 
One last thing before we wrap up. Can you talk a little bit about how you know that you are connected to your intuition and how you recognize it and the way that that's shown up in the impact that you create through your business and in the world? Yeah, there's a term I like to use. It's like a God wink. It's confirmation, right? You you will get confirmation. Sometimes they come in dreams or you'll see something in a dream and then it'll happen to you in the next day. You're like, oh, I dreamt about this last night. That's interesting. That kind of grows this deeper, more expansive place that maybe you're not always connected to in like day to day. There's a pattern. If you learn to trust a feeling that's not so much a mind derived feeling, but something that's just unspeakable, it's really just like, oh, it's like a feeling without a thought that is that is the intuition and I feel that a lot with my clients like when they walk in I just I know what they're going through and I'm not judging it's just like there's a current there's a vibration around them and it's just like there's no judgment so it's like the messages can come through clearer and I'm like oh like they're they're sad today or their their body language and all those things but intuitively Mm -hmm okay, she probably would really like like a shoulder squeeze today or, or something or like, have you had enough water? I think the non-judgment is a big thing because our minds can really like confuse us sometimes. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It really comes from a place of peace. There's just this peace and that's where the messages come through. And then um, I think when creating, if you think it and then someone says it again, it's like, okay, listen to that. There's patterns synchronicities there's dreams and then there's the no judgment I think the no judgment is a big one because being so intuitive my whole life when I get into my spirals I doubt my own magic and I'm like am I overthinking it or I become my worst enemy so I feel like the no judgment and just surrendering like okay like I'm not trying to control this because that's the ego right you have to just kind of like if it is it is and I'll be happy either way you know I love that. And I think that that's really helpful. You know, as I work with people who are cultivating their intuition, what I hear is that people often have a kind of preconceived notion of what they think their intuition should be, because they've heard of some famous psychic who has clairvoyance and sees visions, and then they don't see visions. So they think, well, then I guess I don't have any intuitive knowing. I love hearing the way you describe how you know, because what I recognize in what you're saying, and as as we hear you talk about your gifts, you have what I think of as really strong clairsentience. You feel a sense of peace. You feel a sense of what may be needed or going on in someone's body or what you want to create that could then be an anointment or a remedy for someone else's skin. And so I think it's such a powerful reminder also that intuitive knowing isn't just that sensing it's also coming through and what you're creating and what that's nourishing in others absolutely I'm so so grateful for this conversation today Maciel and I really truly appreciate how open and vulnerable you've been and that you shared so deeply from your story and especially your eternal relationship with your dad who I know is around and just holding you in his loving energy and shining that sunshine for everyone. And I really do believe that it's through sharing these stories, not just all of your successes and how inspiring it is that you are a businesswoman 
nourishing people through your beautiful products and through your services in both Toronto and Miami, but also that you are someone who suffered a major loss, that you've been through a dark night of the soul, worse than what many people could imagine. And yet here you are shining and sharing your beauty and your spirit with us. And that just means the world to me. So I'm really grateful that you would come on here today. And I also want to mention for anyone listening too that we will include in the show notes links to Maciel's business and anything that Maciel mentioned that you want to go check out. We will put those links in, including that delicious equilibrium oil. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so honored. <laughs> Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content and having online discussions with the intuitively aligned podcast community. You can also find me in the third eye library on mighty networks through Instagram at Sydney Rebecca. Yes, that's Sydney Rebecca without an A on the end or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.